Many people do not go to church. If you come from a family that goes to church on Sunday, you can raise your hand. If you don't want to participate, don't mind. But if you go to church with your family on Sunday, raise your hand. Cool. Most of you should be raising your hand. If not, don't worry. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I want, to, I want you guys to hear some statistics. I'm not going to bore you with this, right? But how many of you were born from 1999 to 2015? Raise your hand if you were born from 1999 to 2015. Say this a lot. You're a Gen Z kid. You're Gen Z. So you look at all these young people. Right? Look at all these young people. Look at all these young people. Right? You guys are Gen Z. All right? Now, Gen Z has a bad rep. I love you guys, though. Y'all my people. I love busting y'all in basketball, especially, especially that one right there, Brandon. We'll give you the work after Elevate. Right? Just kidding. Just kidding. Not going to boast. Not going to boast. But Gen Z, we, me at least, and, and other people, we're part of millennials, right? Then, then our parents would be Gen X, okay? But Gen Z, all right, Generation Z, that's a pretty dope one, Gen Z. That's a nice name. Um, when it's talking about the church involvement, that means going to church, getting involved with it, they ask how important is it? And when they ask... And when they said, is it not too important, 20, 27% said, yeah, it's not too important. Then 27%, it's not important at all. And 20% it's said it's very important. Now, those were some of the options they were given. Now, when it comes to why many, many people don't go to church, they seem, uh, they do it because of intellectual reasons. They feel like the church doesn't have an answer that science does, that it's overprotective or it's too uh, restrictive on teenagers, that the church is hypocritical. I'm just reading it, what, like what they voted for. I don't want to give you the percentages. But, and then they say church is not a safe place to express doubts. Then they say faith and teachings encounter uh, at church seems shallow, like it's just superficial. And then they also say that church seems too much like an exclusive club. That's, what, that's why Gen Z people don't go to church. They don't think it's important at all. Now, this is something that we experienced even when going to Dallas. There's a lot of people that go to, uh, to that, there's a few people that went to Dallas. If you went to Dallas, raise your hand real quick, make some noise. Nice. That's exactly what I was going to ask you guys to make, that unenthusiastic, woo, right? Uh, but, right, in Dallas, most people go to church, but the people we talk to sometimes, they're not from Dallas at times, right? So we're speaking to this one guy, and I'm like, hey, bro, uh, so what do you, you believe about Jesus? He's like, yeah, bro. He's like some guy from Minnesota. He's like, yeah, bro, I love Jesus, okay? And then he just whips out his arm and then rolls up his sleeve. He's like, I got my Jesus tat right here. And I'm like, dope, bro, I got one too. And then we had a conversation. And then he was saying, I asked him what church he goes to. He's like, well, I'm not a from, I'm from around here, so I wouldn't go to your church. I'm like, all right, what church do you go to in Minnesota? Or I think that's where he came from. He's like, oh, man, I see, I don't do the church thing. I don't do it. But I love God. I love the Bible, and I read it and all that stuff. I'm like, hold up. There's a conflict here because Jesus never said that. He never said, hey, man, you can love me. Just uh, you can stay away from these people. They're kind of bad news, right? He wasn't preaching to people and be like, follow me. Hey, but don't get too close to Peter, man. He's weird. Like, he wasn't like that. He wasn't like that. He wasn't like, follow me, but hey, bro, you know, if you just want to chill at the crib, eat some fish and bread by yourself, that's cool, man. Just make sure you say my name a couple times, all right? No, he wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't like that. 
So there's, there's a little bit of issues now with people that think they can worship God apart from the church. Now, here's the thing. Is church a building, yes or no? No. The church is not a building. I just gave the definition. What's the definition? Who remembers? It's the gathering of the called out ones, right? Does anybody know the Greek word? Not for money. Not for money. I'm not going to give you any money. Don't say any, Josie. All right? But does anybody know what the Greek word is? Yeah. Who said it? Ecclesia, ecclesia. I like ecclesia. It rolls out the tongue better, right? Ecclesia. Right? Ecclesia. Ecclesia. See, that doesn't sound as nice. So, yes, but ecclesia, the gathering of the called out ones, it doesn't say the building where you get to meet God. A lot of people would say, I can meet God elsewhere. That's what a lot of people would say too now in your generation, right? I was arguing with a couple friends on Facebook, not because I instigated, but because they came at me. I was defending myself. And they said, bro, and I've said this before about someone else, but this is a common reoccurrence with me. I don't know why. But Sisu was like, bro, listen. You're going after religion, but really, you need to do some drugs. Then you'll really meet God. Then you'll really meet God. And I said, bro, I don't know what you're meeting, but it's not God. I don't know what you're meeting, but it's not God, right? What if someone told you that? And they said, listen, I meet God in my living room. I don't need to go to church. See, there's a misconception there. I didn't say you needed to meet God to go to, I didn't, know, I didn't say you needed to go to church to meet God, all right? Because, hey, listen, when you meet God face-to-face, it ain't going to be in church, that's for sure. And you better wish you went to church when you meet God face-to-face. So, listen, we're not talking about that. That's a misconception. What is the purpose of God? I mean, the purpose of church. What is, why did God create it? Why does he love it? That's what we're going to talk about today. We need to be connected to the church. Everybody say connected. Everybody say to the church. All right. So now we got past those kind of like, uh, you know, stats and some misconceptions, right? People said Jesus hated religious people. That's not true. And then it says, uh, you know, you can have my own personal uh, relationship with God, or I don't need church to love God. And I, I told you guys about the story, but now I want to get into the scripture. Everybody say, open the Bible. The Bible is where we need to go to find out why the church is important. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 33. We just had an awesome wedding recently. Okay, maybe like three weeks ago, okay, and it was with Marco and Malia. Why don't you guys raise your hand, Marco, Malia? That is Mr. and Mrs. Soberanis. Come on. I'm on really hard for me, but I got it. All right, so they got married, and I had the privilege of joining with uh, Malia's uh, pastor from her old church and basically, or, uh, basically officiating the wedding, and I, get to, I got to preach off this scripture, and this is a, this is a good passage if you want to have a good marriage. But deeper than that, it's about Christ and the church. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Who loved the church? So who loves the church? Who's loved by the church? Who's loved by, yeah, wait. Who's loved by Christ? The church. So instantly right there, we see that Jesus loves the church. It's a big thing. Jesus loves the church even though the church sometimes says some goofy things. Amen? Even though the church itself can sometimes be goofy, right? People in the church can be kind of silly sometimes, right? You ever had anyone in the church make you angry? I have. 
Have you ever had anyone in the church maybe say something that you didn't agree with? I have, right? But Jesus loves the church. Who is the church to Jesus? It's whoever has connected to the cross, whoever is his disciple. I can say this, I know this because Jesus loved Peter, and we'll get to this passage in a little bit. You know what Peter did? Some dumb stuff. Denied Jesus three times to a little girl. Denied Jesus and then call, cuss people out. That's like imagine you're at school, right? Let's say, uh, let's say, William, you're at school, and then all of a sudden, someone's like, hey, bro, isn't it your dad, Jason? And then you're just like, no, my dad's not Jason. And then it's like, nah, bro, I saw him dropping you off the other day. Your dad's Jason. He's like, bro, I told you my dad's not Jason. Then some other guy comes that's like, bro, I've been over your house. Your dad is definitely Jason. Then all of a sudden you start cussing them out, cursing them, and saying my dad's not Jason. Then you got your teacher that's like, man, bro, listen, I have it right here in the roster. Your dad is Jason. So then finally you say, my dad isn't Jason. Then all of a sudden a rooster crows. And it's like, oh, snap, I denied my dad being Jason three times. Listen, that's kind of the, the, the stupidity that I just kind of showed right here. He's never done that. Amen, right? You've never done that? Good. Just want to make sure, right? That's never, that's, that stupidity was done with Peter. And Jesus loved Peter. He loves the church despite any of the things that they have done because it's the church. Now, we'll get to it. You know, you can't just sin in the church and just still be in the church. That's the truth. We'll get to that in a little bit. But Jesus loves the church. We'll continue. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church. There you go. Without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So Jesus is like, I see you've done some stupid things, but I'm about to make you smart. I'm make you real smart right now. I'm going to make you real pure. I've seen you. You've, you've, you've spoiled yourself. You've spoiled yourself. You've done some bad things, right, some sinful things, but I'm going to make you pure through my word. And in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of one body, of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So, guys, do you think this is talking about marriage, or you think this is talking about Christ and the church? If you think it's about marriage, raise your hand. If you think about Christ and the church, raise your hand. Is it about Christ and the church? Yeah, you guys are both right, all right? But more so the latter. You see, this is a pro profound mystery. He's not talking about marriage being a profound mystery, but he's saying, go down a little bit more, brother. But... I am talking about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. This profound mystery that Jesus loves the church, okay? Does Jesus just love Metro Praise International? And then he's like, he looks at New Life and be like, nah, bro, you ain't passing. Or does he look at Shy Tab every Christmas when they do that awesome play and be like, man, every other church I don't love but you? No, no, he loves the church. Remember, you can be in the building, but you can be outside the church. Understand that. You could come every elevate and not be in a church. You could come every Friday, every Sunday, every Bible study, be in 101, 201, a deacon, an elder, but you could be outside the church. 
You understand that? You could be out the, outside the church as I'm talking to you right now. You see, when Jesus, when you're ever reading your Bible, when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not really mentioned in the letters of the apostles because they're talking about the church. You see, the church is the kingdom of God. They're the same. You have to be born again to be in this church. You have to be. So Jesus loves the church. And get this, if you hate the church, if you're saying, I'm not going to mess with the church, who is the church of Jesus, his bride? Now, I don't know about you, but if you come to my house and start telling my wife all these things, saying that she can't cook, which she can, you're telling her she can't dance, which she can, telling her she's a horrible person, which she's not, she's awesome, dude, you're not welcome in my house. You're not, well, I don't even care if it's Jorge. If Jorge comes to my house and he's like, bro, man. I'm getting tired of your wife. Bro, she's always saying some stuff, man. And I'm just tired of it. I'm going to be like, bro, then get out my house then. If you don't love my wife, then you don't love me. Because we're one. So if you don't love the church, then you don't love Jesus. See, people don't get that. If you don't love the church, then you don't love Jesus. You don't love him. And listen, if Jesus was willing to love the church, are we better than Jesus? Are we better than Jesus, Oli? No, right? Are you sure? Yes. What about Abby? Are you better, are you better than Jesus? No. What about you, Gia? Are you better? What about a little bit? Not even a little bit. Okay. We're not better than Jesus. What about you guys? You guys better than Jesus? Do you love the church? Yeah, we should, because if Jesus loved the church, and we, we don't have this upper ground with Jesus, we don't have this privilege over Jesus, we should do what Jesus did. So when we look at the scripture, we already have the greatest reason why we should love the church. Why? Because Jesus did it, plain and simple. Plain and simple. But people will say this, Jesus isn't speaking about an institution. Does anybody know what the word institution means? Does anybody know? They like to use these words. Has anyone ever heard this argument? Raise your hand if you've heard this argument. Jesus wasn't talking about a religious organization, uh, a bunch of religion. He wasn't talking about that. He wasn't talking about institution. I've heard it. My friends have said it. My uncles have said it. Man, listen, the dude that is, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to randomly at the store who's doing your, bagging your groceries, he'll probably say it too. He'll say, I love Jesus. Dude, there's this guy when we went to Lollapalooza who was smoking a blunt, and then he's looking at my wife saying, yeah, I love Jesus. And, we, you know, he's not going to church, and he's not adhering to Scripture. He had his all weird interpretation. But either way, how are you going to do that? How are you going to say that? When institution is literally this, a society or organization founded for a religious, educational, social, or similar purpose. What is the ecclesia? It was a gathering, a society of people that would make political decisions. Jesus used ecclesia to define the church. The church is an organization, a society, a religious one. What is religion? It's a bind. It's a covenant. We are in, we are a, in a covenant with God. We are religious people. Not religious what the world says, where we just do things because our parents said it, but religious what Jesus says. True religion. Staying unpolluted from this world, caring for widows and orphans. We are very religious. Jesus loved 
religious people. He didn't love hypocrisy. We have to get that. When people say that, they never read the Bible, I guarantee you. Listen, Jesus loves religion. We have to get, we have to get out that mantra. We have to get out of that saying. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, Jesus hates religion. Jesus loved the Pharisees. Why do you think he spent so much time rebuking them? Why would Jesus rebuke the Pharisees if he didn't love them? I'm sure if I didn't like Brandon, okay, and he has this horrible jump shot, okay, and I'm trying to help him, I'm going to be like, hey, bro, listen, if you just do this, you'll fix it. Why? Because I love him. Right? He has a decent jump shot, though. It's getting better and better, right? But I'm saying right now, it's decent, right? You're getting in there. Oh, you hurt himself. I'm sorry, man. Uh, but here's the thing, right? If you're playing soccer and your guy right now is kicking wrong or he's fielding wrong or he's not in the right position, you love him, you love the team, you're going to correct him. You're going to rebuke him. See, Jesus loved the Pharisees. He didn't hate religion. He loved religion. He doesn't like useless Religion of lip service, but he loves a service, a bind, a covenant with him and his people. So we have to understand is that Jesus from the get-go was talking about a religious institution. We go to Matthew 18, where he uses church for the first time, or the second time, I should say. We go to Matthew 18. Anybody ever been rebuked in this place? Amen. I have. I have. Jesus, what he tells us to do is if you got a problem with somebody else, this, you, don't, you don't go around telling everybody but that person. See, when you got a problem with somebody else, you go to that person and you tell them, I got a problem with you. Right? Not like that, okay? Like, you start coming to me saying, I got a problem with you, then you, you, you can't just do that, okay? Be nice. Be kind. Hey, listen, good sir. There you go. Start off like that, and then I'll listen. No, I'm just kidding. Half kidding, right? But if you say, hey, listen, you sinned against me. I do have something against you. Please listen to what I have to say. They listen. You guys make up. Peace. They don't listen. What you do is you take two or three brothers. You tell them what happened, and then you come to that person. You're not, you're not gossiping. You're bringing that person. You say, hey, listen, I brought these two people. They see what I'm saying. Can we solve this? If they still are in the wrong and are still saying, hey, I don't care, what do you do? You bring them now to the front of the church. That's what the scripture says. What we do in this church is we bring them to the elders, and then in front of the leadership, we say, hey, you can leave the church. But basically, he says, listen, you bring them to the church. Then now you explain what's going on, and then if they still don't humble themselves and bring peace, then they leave the church. So Jesus is saying you can leave the church. You can leave this place. You can be outside the church because of your goofiness and pride. This is an institution. This is an organization. This is a society. This is a group of people that are called out to live like Christ. So if anyone ever says that, listen, they're wrong. And a lot of people in our generation, millennials, Gen Z, they say this all the time, but it's because they don't know what they're talking about. And as nicely as they, in, 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 a word, in words that are more blunt, they're ignorant. They're ignorant. They don't know. So this is what you got to do. You got to take them to the scripture and show them. So understand this. Jesus loves the church. The church as we see it. The church as we see it. The group of believers. The gathering of the believers. Right? Not a building. If this building fell down, fell down hopefully not right now. But let's say we went home and all of a sudden it like fell down. Okay? Because I don't want it to fall down on us. But it fell down. We would still have Metro Praise International. 
we would still have church. If every church got burnt down right now, there would still be a church. If every building in the world that said we're a church, even the Catholic ones, okay, burnt down, Jesus' church would still be around. So my question is, do you love the church? Do you love the church? Do you love the people in the church? Because listen, if you don't love the people in the church, I want to let you know you don't love the church. It's like this weird saying that you may disagree with me about. I love them. I don't like them. Right? You ever heard that before? Listen, you may disagree with me about this, but I don't think you could actually love someone without liking them. I don't. I think you can dislike someone something about it. Like, like, man, bro, like, listen, your laugh is really annoying. Right? Not TJ, though. We love his laugh. Amen? But listen, man. Oh, gosh, dude. The way you just interrupt me every moment I talk, I dislike that. That's okay. I, I honestly think that's okay. You can dislike things about people as long as you don't hate them. But you should still like the person. What does it mean to like? It means to prefer. To prefer. All right. How are you going to say, I love someone that I don't prefer? I really don't prefer this person. I don't like them that, well, that much. Like, if I had to be in a room with them, I probably would rather, like, like, go to sleep or something and then wake up to, like, you know, Nazi Germany or something like that. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, you got to like people to love them. I mean, how many of y'all been in middle school and they're like, do you love him? And then it's like, no, I just like like him. Right? Anybody ever said that before? Come on. I know I've said that, right? I, but not by him or her, okay? Amen? It was not my temptation. All right? But... You know, you know, there's a girl, you know, and I liked her, you know, but I didn't just quite love her yet, you know? It's like, I like her, but I'm just not in love with her, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've been there. Maybe you remember when we were in the like-like stage, right? We were in the like-like stage. But in order to love someone, you kind of have to like them. You got to deal with them. You got to put up with them. But even more than that, more than tolerance, you got to enjoy them. You got to enjoy them. I want you to look to the letters of Paul. Look to Jesus. You think Jesus liked the disciples? He should. I mean, he was with them for three years. Bro, you don't like them people, then you're like, you must love to torture yourself. Listen, you got to love people to like them. You got to like them to love them. You got to like them to love them. Man, I like them. You may not like everything about them. You may hate most of the things about them, but you got to like them. Now, you disagree with me? There's room for disagreement. Don't worry. But listen, you can't do church alone. That's my next point. You are not the church alone. Right? Everybody point to the church. A lot of people point to themselves. You're wrong. You're wrong. Oh, I said that kind of rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're wrong. You're dead wrong. No. Listen, you're incorrect. All right? A lot of people think, well, I'm the church. Right? I'm the church. Me, I'm the church. That's all me. I'm the church. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. We're going to read this scripture. This is an awesome passage. Uh, my brother in the church, Rudy Salt, put me onto this a few years ago. And he says, as you came to him, the living stone. Who's the him? 
Jesus, the living stone. That's Jesus, right? There's analogies. Not that Jesus is a literal stone like uh, in that, you know, in uh, Mario, you know, the stone that's angry, you, you don't hit. No, it's a stone which you build on, right? As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God. Jesus was rejected by those who came for and precious to him, right? Jesus is precious to God the Father. You also like living stones. Hold up. Jesus is a living stone. What are we? Living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be holy, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Get that, get that. Living stones, house. Listen, how many of y'all played with Legos growing up? Yeah, yeah, you, I didn't. So you could tell me, can you make a house, a Lego house with one Lego? No, pitiful, pitiful. I would look at you with shame. All right, just kidding. Sometimes I do, like, they'll be making, like, look, I made a gun. I'm like, that's not a gun. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Can't wait till I have a kid. It's going to be so much fun. So, listen, you can't make a house with one stone. But yet, what are you supposed to be doing as living stones? Making a house, a spiritual house. We're supposed to be built up as the church together. You see, when he's saying you, he's not saying you as in Josie. Like when you read the scripture, oh, he's just talking about me. I'm a living stone right? No, we already have our one living stone. Amen? We have our one living stone. The rest are living stones, right? Made to look like the living stone. You see, because when building a house, you need multiple bricks. You see this wall right here? Imagine if we just had one brick. It'd be a pretty sad wall, right? Right? We, we, I was going to say something. I don't want to put the church on blast real <laughs> quick. But I'm just saying, we'd be able to see things more clearly between these walls. We only have one brick. But we got one brick. It's going to be a sad wall, right? Sad wall. It wouldn't be a real wall. And then imagine if we had one brick for this whole building, everything would collapse. See, we need multiple bricks to build a house. You can't be at your crib saying, this is church right here. As you're, you know, on your phone, watching the sermon, checking the game, Oh, this is church right here. As you're on Facebook the whole time watching from the crib, we went through a whole year where a lot of people were watching church online, and they said, this is the church. I'm telling you right now, no, it ain't. This ain't the church. There are times where believers may be alone because they've been imprisoned or because they're sick, but even then, we're supposed to visit the sick, and we're supposed to visit those in jail. Literally, Jesus says, if you don't visit those in jail, then you don't love me. Not that, like, you know, believers are doing bad things and they're being put in jail, but being, putting, being put in jail for sin, like, for not sin, but for following Jesus. If you abandon people that are in jail for following Jesus, you're not doing what Jesus said. You're not loving Jesus. So, moving on quickly, uh, it, it goes on talking about how in the Old Testament it said this very thing. People stumble by rejecting the stone. They end up tripping over the stone, stumbling over it. They can't understand it. They stumble because they disobey the message. So obey the message. Then what Cielo said, Cielo, did you know I was to preach on this? No? It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, priesthood people, right? People, priesthood, you. It's talking to multiple people. Paul isn't writing a personal letter. I mean, Peter isn't writing a personal letter. He's writing to a group of people. 
I'm letting you know right now, if you're trying to be Rambo brick over here, you're going to die. You're going to die in your sin. The weight that you're trying to carry is going to fall on you. You're not going to be able to support anything or build anything up or be built up. That you may declare, uh, and then a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... Understand this. I don't care if you're Mexican. I don't care if you're Puerto Rican. I don't care if you're black, you know, and you're, you're saying you're trying to pick a specific place in Africa. I don't care if you're white. I don't care whatever family you come from. You were not a people. You were not a people. You didn't belong to God. You're not born into this. You're born again into this. You were not a people at one point. As Gentiles, especially what Jocelyn said, we were not a people. But now we are. God chose us. God chose us, and he's given us mercy. Once we didn't have mercy, now we have it. You see, the church is not meant to be done alone. Does everybody understand that? You don't do church alone. Church is together. You are not the church alone. You are the church together. Next time someone says, hey, I'm the church. I don't need to go to a building or a religious institution. What are you going to do? You're going to spiritually slap him in the face with this verse and say, repent, because you're speaking lies. The church is meant to be a spiritual house, a people. Church is supposed to be together. You can have a Bible study at home for sure. Go ahead. That's not the church. That's not the church. And what I mean by that is with your family. You can say, let me grab my two kids. Let me grab my wife. We're going to have church today, right? Or you're going to be like, well, you know, I just opened the Bible and at home and I'm with my cat. You know, I, I just have church there with kittens, right? Like, no, that's not church. That's not church. You see, we need each other. We need the word and we need to build each other up. You see, we have a way it's done. We have an order. We have pastors. We have prophets. We have uh, teachers. We have evangelists. We have apostles. We have elders and deacons. You see, we, have the, we, we literally have the apostles' teachings being given to us. Church has an order. It has an order. It has a way of being done. It's not just you in your pajamas or your underwear saying, oh, I don't feel like going to church on Sunday. Let's just, uh, you know, eh, what's this? Um, I forgot to love the world. You got that, kids? Yeah. All right, good. Go ahead. I'm going to watch the game. Like, dude, people who do that, or I'm going to go, like, listen, people will literally do this, right? They'll miss out on church, because I know because I've done this, right? And then they'll just do something religious to make up for it. Well, I don't go to church, but hey, look at this, man. I give, I give money to the homeless. I do charity, Okay. What does that mean? You see, you don't go to church because of brownie points. You understand that? You don't gather together to be like, hey, man, I want to be good on God's good side. And look at God. Step right into church today. Aren't I a good person? It's not what it's about. You see, if you love Jesus, you love the church. And if you love the church, you want to be with them. And then you're doing this together. You're building up each other, and you're being built up as a unit, as together so you be a spiritual house it's that simple really and people complicate it but it's simple are you being built up to be a spiritual house and are you a part of that building process are you a part of that building process are you being built up right now 
Or are you just like ignoring correction, ignoring rebuke, ignoring the word, ignoring everything else and saying, yeah, I'm in church? Because you're not. If you're not being built up as a living stone, then you don't know the living stone. It's that simple. We have a purpose here. We have a purpose. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, 7 through 13. And you guys are young, but you need to get it now. When I was, how old are you, Chase? 10? I got it right, right? Yeah, come on. They're twins. So I pro- I'm like getting happy when I get them right. Right? So you're 10. Who's 11 in this place? Okay. My dad stopped going to church when my mom passed away. So it, w- it became a secondary thing. You know that guy I just imitated a little bit? That was my dad. Yeah. He, I'm not trying to be bogus to him, but literally we wake up too late for church, and then we'd print a sermon out, read it, and then I'd play like video games all day. Or I'd hang out with my friends, play some basketball. And that was church at times. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I realized we need to start going to church. Just didn't really say anything. At 17, I decided I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to tell my dad to go to church. I'm going to make sure my dad understands how important it is to go to church. At 18, I got saved, and I realized I'm going to go to church even if my dad doesn't go to church. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be a living stone even if my dad doesn't want to be a living stone. You see, it's not about someone pushing you, someone forcing you, someone always on your neck like, go to church, go to church, go to church. If that's church to you, you're not in the church. Plain and simple. Really that easy. If you're being forced to do the things of God, the chances are you're not doing the things of God. I end up going to church. I'm learning that, wow, we're the church. Wow, I love Jesus. This is new life to me. And then I start telling my dad, dad, we need to start going to church together. My dad does start going to church. Listen, you guys have your own responsibility. You guys are living stones. Elevate. You are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. And this spiritual house, this church, is the most important establishment in the whole universe. In the whole universe. Whoa, man. It's kind of exaggeration, right? No, it's not. Everything will pass away. I'm telling you right now, everything will pass away. The church as an organization is older than some nations right now. You ever heard of the Ottoman Empire? Anybody ever heard of that? That's right. One day you'll learn about it, right? But before World War I, there was this thing where nations were together. World War I broke it up. New nations started. Anybody ever heard of Turkey? It's called Istanbul, right? Am I saying it right? Anybody know? It's not Istanbul or something like that. I'm trying to say it with an accent. I'm trying to say it correctly. But it... It literally, it no longer exists. It's not Turkey. And before Istanbul, you know what it used to be called? Ephesus, where Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, the letter that we're about to read right now. So understand that nations come and they go. How many of y'all know about Michael Jackson? He dead. And I'm not saying that in disrespect. I'm just being honest. He's dead. All these celebrities die. Kobe was the biggest celebrity death that hit me the hardest. I almost cried. I literally was about to cry. Shook. I loved Kobe. He wasn't saved. I loved the man. He inspired me so much to play basketball. I remember when I was young, I was trying to imitate his moves, even though I'm 
a foot shorter than him. Still tried my best. Every time I shot the ball, you're thinking Kobe. Now you guys are going to be saying Curry, and it's just going to hit harder for me. But he's dead. He passed away. His glory is over. The church will never pass away. Into eternity, the church will still be there. The spirit and the bride say, come to the Lord. See, the church is going to be around for all eternity. It is the most important establishment of the universe, of the galaxy, of anything that we can think of. The church is more important. Ephesians chapter 3, 7 through 13 says this is its purpose. Paul says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me. And he says, through the working of his power, although I am less than least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to take uh, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. He's making plain how it was given, how it was given to all people. That's what it means there, given to all people and to make plain to everyone, uh, and which for the ages past it was kept hidden from uh, for God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, everybody say through the church. So why did God give the gospel? Why did God say, listen, I don't want to just save Jewish people. I'm not just going to save one person. I'm going to save the whole world for all time and all ages. It's so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So that means, dude, this is, not, this is like a distract to the devil and his, his demons. This is a distract to anyone who's following the devil. This is saying, listen, to, to the person in the Taliban who's being controlled and being influenced by the flesh and the devil. Listen, we're coming for your head. We're coming for your head. This is for all, every president that hasn't submitted to God. We're coming for your head. Hey, this is for your teacher right now. Listen, we're coming for your head. We're going to let you make known the manifold wisdom of God. We're going to let you know that there is someone greater than you. There's someone powerful than you. There's someone that you need to submit to, someone that's greater. That's the purpose of the church. The church speaks to rulers and authorities, the manifold. That means the great wisdom of God. This was accomplished by Christ, as it says, but it is now, it is now acted out through the church. It says that uh, it, now it's also done so we can be the answer to reaching people. You think about, man, I pray this person would be saved. Man, I just wish this person would be saved. I pray that this person would be saved. Well, go preach to them. Go preach to them. The church is the answer. You understand that? The world's problems, the church has been the answer. You don't believe me because your teachers have kind of brainwashed you just a bit. I want to I remind you of people like Thomas Edison. Who created the light bulb, or electricity, then the light bulb, amen, right? Then I want to remind you of people like Francis Bacon. Oh, not Francis Bacon, sorry. <laughs> That's an actor. But the guy who made the scientific method. He, he was named Francis, but Bacon, I was hungry. Bacon is not it. Francis, he made the scientific method. You know the, anybody ever done a science experiment before? You ever done a science Okay. You know how you have to hypothesis, you got to test it, results. A Christian developed that. A Christian. Then you have, right, people like the abolitionists. How many of y'all are glad that we ain't slaves no more? Amen? I don't got to call no one master except my master. Amen? Jesus. We don't got to do that. Listen, 
Now, because of abolitionists, I look at Bethany, and I'm like, you're my sister in Christ, right? I look at Holy Oli, and I get to call her Holy Oli. Amen? TJ's my bro. Come on. Listen, but that was abolitionist. Christians that said, listen, no man should be enslaved because in Christ we're all free. We need to get rid of this horrible slavery. So we had them. Then we had the Salvation Army. Come on. If you didn't know that was Christian, you know, you need to wake up. You need to open your eyes a little bit, right? That was made by a preacher who believes just like we believe today and making disciples of all the earth. And he saw a need in poverty and orphans, so he created the Salvation Army. Then we have, how, uh, we, we, we have what God used to make his manifold wisdom known. We have that already. We've seen it done. Guess what? You guys can do it now. You see, Elevate, you guys, your purpose is to make known the manifold wisdom of God, to make it known to your teachers to make it known to leaders and authorities and rulers in the heavenly realms, to speak it to the devil, to speak it to the people that are influencing the world. You, your job right now as the church is to do that. You see, I don't care if the person's rich. I don't care if the person is popular in school. I don't care whatever purpose. There is a ruler and authority that is dictating their movements. Now, we all have free will, but there's an influence. Did you know that when suicide occurs in schools, there is an immediate uh, response from teachers and staff to make sure it doesn't spread. Because when suicide happens, usually another suicide happens after that. There's an influence. When someone's depressed, it's not about vibes. I want to let you guys know, it's not about vibes. But there's something going on there. You see, there is a spiritual influence that happens, a, a, a ruling. There's a power moving, and we are supposed to speak to them as we're speaking to people, and tell them about the manifold wisdom of God, saying, listen, you can be saved, you can be set free by the gospel. And I don't care where they're from. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, it doesn't, uh, I've made, uh, I want to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, how people can be saved. He's going to make it plain. And people are going to understand, no matter if they're rich, no matter if they're from North Korea, no matter if they speak English or, or Swahili, God is going to make it plain to them, to all people. And he's going to use who? Point to who he's going to use. All of us. All of us. If I can have uh, Melanie and the worship team come up, please. Listen, people say the church is full of hypocrites. So why would God use them? Listen, God uses people despite anything, and he changes them. He changes them. See, God has used hypocrites in the past. He's still using them today. However, he changes them from being hypocrites. We have to understand that. If everyone can stand up, please, and if I can have the altar workers. You see, the church, okay, is loved by Jesus. Everybody say, loved by Jesus. The church is seen together. Everybody say, seen together. Right? The church works together. Everybody say, work together. And everybody say, the church is essential. Amen. I wanted to use that word because everyone keeps saying the church isn't essential. Everyone keeps saying that. And guess what? They said it last year. They're going to start saying it again. Right, Josie? Because guess what? We're about to go on another mask mandate. And instead of shutting out Lollapalooza, which I was there, I didn't have no mask. A lot of people didn't have a mask. Instead of shutting down Lollapalooza, right, what are they going to do? They're going to shut down churches. 
Instead of shutting down strip clubs, which they didn't, they're going to shut down churches. Instead of shutting down places that are literally doing nothing for the community, like liquor stores and bars, they're going to shut down churches. But they can never shut down the church. I want to let you know right now, if we can go to Matthew chapter 16, 17 through 19, that if you are not connected to the church, you will be overcome by hell. You cannot do this alone. You cannot do this alone. Matthew chapter 16, 17 through 19, you see Jesus established the church on this one confession, that he is Lord, the Son of God. He established the church on this right there. We'll start on verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this confession, I will build my church. It's his church. It's not my church. It's not Pastor Joe's church. It's not Chicago's church. It's his church. It's his possession. And he says, and the gates of Hades, that's hell, will not overcome it. It will not overcome it. That means no matter what's happening in this world, listen, you guys may not know this, but Afghanistan has fallen to terrorists. Taliban. No matter how that happened, the, 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 uh, the, the, the incorrect and mistakes of the government that led to that, putting weapons in, char- in, uh, in the hands of terrorists, all that stuff, no matter all those things, listen, the church, even though they said we're coming after Christians, is still going to go on. It's still going to go on. The gates of hell will not prevail. But let's say you're not in the church What does that mean? What does that mean? That means you will be overcome. You will will be overcome by hell. It doesn't matter how much, because this is what this generation wants to do. We want to promote our hobbies. We want to promote our school, our sports. We want to do everything but follow Jesus and go to church. We think that everything else will help us have a better life. Listen, I'm telling you, you can have the best life you can possibly try to make, but hell will overcome you like nothing. It will be like a tsunami over a pig. You ever seen a tsunami destroy a building? Imagine a tsunami over a pig. You think that pig's going to be able to stand no matter how fat the pig is, right? No matter how fat you are because of all the, 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 the junk of life, because of all the spiritual junk you've put in your body, you will be destroyed and taken away from that hell. You see, but the church, we're pushing against hell right now. We're pushing against hell. We are at hell's throat, at the gates of hell. You see, the gates of hell is not coming to the church. We're coming at the gates of hell. You see, we're the ones on offense. And then no matter what they try to do to put the church down, destroy the church, do you know how many times Christianity has been illegal? Do you know how many times Christians have been put at the stake, put at the cross right now? And supposedly, they may be crucifying Christians right now. Listen, the church goes on. We pray, we preach, we make disciples, we love those who hate us, and we make known the manifold wisdom of God. How do you think nations have fallen? Do you not know that there's a, like, the Roman Catholic Church done some shady things, amen? But do you know why there's a Roman Catholic Church? You know why there's a Roman Catholic Church? Isn't, what is Rome? Does anybody know what Rome is? What, what country is it right now? Italy. It was a nation, an empire, and not only that, it hated Christians, and it was the biggest empire at that time, conquering almost most of the known world. Do you know who took it down? 
Christians. Christians, Rome became a Christian nation. You see, we were put on sticks and made to be Roman candles, burned alive. But 300 years in, you know what happened? We became, we became the nation's religion. That's crazy, right? But that's the church. So listen, what I want to encourage you guys to do, if you can close your eyes, bow your heads. I know I went really long today, but I wanted you guys to understand that church is important. The church is important. The church is essential. That what the church is and its purpose is greater than you can even imagine. 2,000 years ago, no one would have thought church, the church would end slavery or be a big component of ending slavery. 2,000 year ago, years ago, nobody would have thought that the church would be the reason why people come to the Americas because they want freedom from religion. You know what started freedom from religion? Christians. Christians started freedom of religion. No one would have thought that 2,000 years ago. No one would have thought that the manifold wisdom of God would have been declared to that point. But it has. So everyone can have their, bows, their, heads, their heads closed, or heads bowed, sorry, eyes closed. I want you guys to picture this and begin to apply it as I talk to you. I want you to become a living stone in this place. That means be born again. A living stone looks like the living stone. When you're born again, you look like the son of God because you've been made a son of God. You understand that? Look like Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, a gruesome death, and he resurrected so that we can have life and be a living stone. You're either a dead branch for the fire or you're a living stone today. Be a living stone. Become a disciple in our church. In our church, we offer discipleship, 101, 201. Listen, you need to be built up. If you're trying to do this alone, you're doing it wrong. You need to be in 101 and 201. Next, allow yourself, humility, allow yourself to be built up. And then not only that, don't just be selfish, build each other up. If you don't got friends in this place, make some friends. Begin to encourage them. Begin to be encouraged by them. Last, go to the authorities and the rulers of this world and of the heavenlies. That means the spiritual places. There's a spiritual world here. And declare to them the manifold wisdom of God. In your prayer time, begin to tell the demons, right? The spiritual forces, the rulers. Listen, you don't have control over this neighborhood. You don't have control over my sister. You don't have control over my brother. Listen, God has won. Jesus has won. You begin to go to your teachers that are being ruled by this, and you begin to tell them, listen, lady, you don't know a thing about Jesus. Let me share with you about him. Maybe do it nicer. I hope everyone's picturing what I'm saying because I want you guys to be doing this. Not just me, but Jesus. The altar call is ready. Listen, if you are not a living stone, if you are not a part of the church, and I'm not saying you come every Friday. I know most of you guys come every Friday, but you just come because you're forced. You just come because you, you know, you're, you're being told to. It's being beaten on your back. Listen, you need to come up. You need to repent. You're in sin. You're in sin. You're not a living stone yet. You're not who God wants you to be. But the good thing is God, by his grace, can make you what he wants to be like this, snap of a finger. That's the first altar call. If you want to be born again and be brought into the church. Second thing, if you want to build people up, you want God to use you. You want God to send you places. You want God to, through you, make his manifold wisdom known, his great wisdom known. 
That's the altar call for you guys. And if you need prayer for healing, anything else, you have certain things you're struggling with, we'll pray for you. But everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that in this time of worship and prayer, we would just reflect on this word given to, uh, given to all of us, God. I know you've spoken to me through this word. Lord, I pray right now, God, that as your spirit begins to convict us, begins to point things out to us, Lord, I pray that we be humble. Lord, help us to understand this word, God. Help us to apply it to our lives, Lord. I pray that each and every one of us would take on the Great Commission, that we make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything you've commanded them, Lord. God, I pray for everyone in this place, young, God, from 10, God, to older, to 18, Lord, that they would see themselves as the church, God, I pray that this youth group would be the church wherever they go, Lord. Right now, I just want to call people. I feel like I want to call all the the young men up. I want to call all the young men up, please. Listen, you guys, come up, please. Come up. Come up. If you're a man, not just as you identify as a one, right, amen, but you are a boy by birth, I want you to come up. Start singing. Listen, I want to let you guys know that you guys are supposed to be leaders in the church. That's a great honor. But I want to let you know what they're going to say to you guys. They're going to say to you, right, that you're not supposed to be like that. You're not supposed to be a leader. You're not supposed to be strong. You're not supposed to be... Right, caring for others in a way where you're willing to correct them, rebuke them. They're going to try to take away your masculinity. They're going to try to take away your purpose. And they're going to try to put you in a place where you have no effect. You can't do anything. Make you useless. But I want to let you know God sees you as useful. And God has a purpose for you guys. You understand that? I just want to share with you guys that. Now, young women, I want to let you guys know that in the church, you guys have an important role. You are to be leaders too. You are to be leaders too. But a lot of times what this world is trying to tell you is that a woman, right, they, they get freedom from self-expression. But I want to let you know today, if you never hear, you get freedom from self-denial. They'll tell you right now, the more you express self, that's the more you'll be free. So they'll tell you right now, be naked. They'll tell you in the future, expose as much skin as possible. Have as sex as, as, with as many men as possible. They're going to tell you that. Get drunk, experience drugs. That's what it means to be a woman. Don't have children. Don't have a husband. What they're going to say is have pleasure. And have it to the fullest. Express yourself to the fullest. And that's where you'll have freedom. I want to let you know freedom comes in Christ and through self-denial. Don't let them take you away from the church. Instead, dive deeper into the church. Build up the church. I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal. Then you can, you're free to go. If you need prayer, you can stay. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word again. Again, I pray that every man and woman in this place, Lord, would be the church, God. That we build up the church. That we would not.